This podcast is brought to you in part by The Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. It is time for another edition of the Monthly Comics Cast, which means, of course, that I have with me the cosmic comic guru, Dario. What's up, Dario? Hey, guys. What's going on? And the world's greatest sidekick, Paul, is missing in action at the moment. He's off fighting some thugs to try to take his lunch money or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> he's a sidekick, so he's restocking our supplies. <laughs> he's getting paper clips. That's actually that's actually appropriate. Anyway. <laughs> so what's what's new at the comic book store, Dario? Not much. Um, the new the new Joker book, uh, Three Jokers, came out this week. Very exciting. I read it the other day. I don't know if you, you picked it up today, right? Yeah, I haven't read it yet. Yeah, you should know. Drop everything. Stop this podcast. Okay. Don't be <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> it maintains its it maintains its awesomeness in the in the second issue, and oh, then uh, I don't know. It's been you know it's been steady. I think we're 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 losing some steam from the people that were spending money, the COVID money. Oh yeah, uh, but we're still doing we're still doing pretty good at the store. That's good to hear. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, let's get right into it and start off with our reviews. And of course, with every review, we have a set of instructions, and I will give you those instructions now. Warning! 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 We here at the Monthly Comics Cast have our own special rating system based on the greatest weapon in all of comicdom, the, the Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Starting with Zero, which be, would be a completely empty and useless gauntlet, going through the various stones, one through six, finished off by the greatest rating you could possibly get, a full Infinity Gauntlet. And, of course, that would make four stones about average. So there you have it. Oh, and one more thing. We're probably going to spoil some things during our reviews. So uh, just make sure you keep that in mind. And if you don't want anything spoiled before you read the comic, then... uh Oh, spoiler alert. All right. So there you go. There's a little rundown of our rating system. <laughs> so, I like it. Excellent. You have been warned. So, let's get to it. Dario, why 
why don't you go ahead and get us started with your reviews? I have four books today. I know we normally don't. We're trying not to do more than just a few, but since what were Sands, uh, Sidekick, yes. I figured I'd squeeze in a couple extras. Exactly. Uh, so, little spoiler already. This is the first time I think I've ever done a review with a DC book in it. <gasps> is there any, any way I could squeeze a DC book in here? Uh, no, I already, I already name dropped three Jokers, so that counts. We're good. Well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> that was a brief review. <laughs> <laughs> so the first book I would like to talk about is Vampire the Masquerade. Ooh. Huh. Winter's Teeth. It's from a company called Vault Comics. And it's written by Tim Seeley. Oh god. Drawn by Dev Malika Paramak. I'll spell that for you. D E V M A L Y A is the first name. Last name is P R A M A N I K. Um, and, and there's a backup story that has different writers and artists too. The backup story is written by Howard, uh, it's going to be Teeny Howard and Blake Howard mm. and drawn by Nathan Good. So this is set in the universe of the role-playing game, which has been out since the nineties. It was extremely popular mm. for the storytelling system. I have played it, was it. Dark and different where at the, at the time it was just Dungeons and Dragons and mm. Star Frontiers and, other things like that were the games of choice. Right. Um, this made some major changes in both how the system went and the level of of, uh, of horror and adult material that they were putting games. Mm-hmm. So it's come and gone through a few iterations over the years. And I, I know they've done some comics in the past, but this is the newest one. And this is to coincide with the release of the new edition that came out last year. And... This focuses on a group of vampires, or actually a, a princedom of vampires in Minneapolis, St. Louis. Hmm. Uh, there are the two kingdoms. Um, geography is not my strong suit, so St. Louis and whatever's across the bay. Minneapolis? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> dumb, dumb there. Um, but there is a prince that runs um, the, the, the two cities, and it focuses on uh, a woman who's basically she had grown up uh, so basically if you're not familiar enough with Vampire and Masquerade there's different there are different clans I'm going to probably get some technical terms here wrong but there are different families of clans of vampires right um, the anarchists or anarchs I think what they were called uh, she originally was one of them but then she became uh, uh, one of the cum- cumbra the, the really fancy dress people um, oh right yeah so she's part of that family now. Um, but basically, it just introduces you to the world of Vampire and Masquerade. It tells you about the Masquerade and the vampires, you know, do their thing and don't let the uh, don't let the humans know about it. It kind of introduces you to um, all the key elements of the role playing game. The fact that there's a that there's a hierarchy of, of vampires as a prince and those below them, and that they have all their machinations that they're trying to get done and you know pull off. Besides the other, uh, you know, without the other clans knowing. Uh, following this particular vampire, the, the woman, um, whose name I'm trying to find here in the book, uh, uh, the, oh God. this is kind of complicated because mostly the, this first issue just kind of sets up the theme for the book. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the biggest thing that we learned about the main vampire is that uh, she's got a sister that is old, old enough to be in a, in a nursing home now, and she has... Um, uh, 
the thing I have right now where I can't remember. Uh, where uh, people can't remember. Alzheimer's? <laughs> yeah, that's it. She's got Alzheimer's. Dementia? Uh, which I may as well have too, right? Yeah. So, uh, so she goes and visits her sister under the guise of being her daughter when it's not, it's her sister. Um, if you're a fan of Vampire Masquerade, the art in this book is amazing. The story is oh, pretty... Nice. The story is pretty consistent. The setting is very interesting. Um, it doesn't it doesn't do a whole lot in this first issue, like I said. Besides, just tell you about the the prince who runs the, who runs the town, uh, the main vampire, and what clan she's from. But issue two already came out, and I read that. And um, actually, I didn't finish it, but I started reading it yesterday. Um, but it looks like there's going to be a um, a mystery and probably some sort of war between two of the clans is what they're setting up. But this is going to be an ongoing series. One of the things that oh, I enjoy really? about it. Yeah. One of the things that I enjoy about it is at the end of every issue, they give uh, game stats for characters that appeared in the, in the issue. So you have mm. the character sheets. Um, you oh, also get cool. a blank character sheet for yourself to use. That's awesome. They set up, it, it, it's like a mini, it's like a mini um, uh, gazetteer for setting up your own camp campaign in this city too so they give you a little bit of information at each issue so if you want to run a campaign there you can so i think it's really cool i haven't played vampire in ages i'd love to play that again yeah i don't think i've ever played it more than once um i mean i had some pretty interesting encounters with the uh, vampire libraries um, oh, but i've never yeah um i used to run run of anyway, the masquerade game that was fun did you? I think I played. I played Vampire once or twice. I played Werewolf once or twice. I played Mage once or twice. Mm. Um, I mostly, I grew Mage. up playing D and that's all I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, I got a buddy of mine that runs it still. It's he's really good at it. Um, so, as an issue one, it's a good setup. I like the campaign setting. Uh, I love the art. Um, the fact that it's on, an ongoing book makes me want to stick with it. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Um, I, I can't. Really, I can't really give this more than a four, which is our average. Is that what it is? Is four our average? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really give it more than a four right now, but I like it. Sure. That's okay. pretty good for our and first issue. Issue, Like I said, I already have Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, the, the the quick and dirty on that one. What was the full title of that? Vampire to Masquerade, Winter's Teeth. Winter's Teeth. Okay. Which I think is just uh, the title for the this particular story arc. Mm. I think they're printing it on the cover, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the next one that they do is going to be whatever the next story arc is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I've got nothing to back up. I'll have to check that right out. Now. That's just my assumption. Um, I don't know if we have issue one in the story, but we have issue two. Uh, David Mack is an artist. He does the... Mm. He does a couple of the covers. It's really nice. good. So the next book on my list is from Marvel. It's the newest issue of Thor. It's Thor number seven. Uh-huh. And the creative team for this is well known. Donnie Cates is the writer. Uh-huh. Aaron Cooter, K U D E R, is yep. the guest artist. He's really good. I like his art a lot. Matt Wilson is the color artist, and VC's Joe Sa- Saviano is the letter and designer. Hey, Dario, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it looks like the world's greatest sidekick, Paul, is finally done stocking our shelves and has joined us <laughs> on the program. What's up, Paul? What's up, guys? <laughs> the reason why it took me so long is that I had, I had to take care of Derek's secret stash of Nightwing. Oh. <laughs> so you burnt them all? Yeah, put them in numerical order. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, actually, I put them in, in uh, protectors and had them graded for you. Oh, wonderful. Are they all ones? All <laughs> oh, by zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as much as we'd love to talk about Nightwing, Dario is actually in the middle of reviewing a better book, Thor number seven. So continue, Dario. Okay, so as I, I just went through when uh, we did all the credits, uh, this is the beginning of a new two-part story. It's called Hammerfall, and uh, they give a in the opening page after they give the title, they kind of break down what happened in the issues before this, and they remind the readers that uh, over the course of the last six issues, Thor has noticed that it's harder and harder for him to pick the hammer up. Ah. Um, and it's getting easier and easier for other people to pick the hammer up. Um, in fact, if you had been reading the book on any kind of an ongoing basis, there was a time where Loki just picks it up and is like, oh, I can pick this up. And then it flies out of his hand and goes back to Thor. So um, it starts with um, a scene in, is it in Iowa? It's Oklahoma. A scene in Broxton, Oklahoma, where if you are familiar with the, uh, reading Thor in the past, there was a time where all the Asgardians relocated there oh, and they brought yeah. Asgard back. Right. So, uh, um, there's this old guy working on a car. There's this huge explosion. He goes, Oh man, he recognizes the, the, the rainbow, the rainbow bridge effect that we get from the Marvel movies coming in. Right. And he goes to investigate and Thor's hammer is there. Mm. So he goes and he looks at it. Um, tries to figure out what's going on. Doesn't touch it. Notices something interesting on the hammer, grabs his phone, and calls a mysterious person and says, hey, I need your help. And then we fade into a scene on Asgard where uh, Thor is talking to Sif, who is now in charge of the Rainbow Bridge, and she can see everything. And Thor is talking to her through one, one of his crows. And uh, there's an interesting little interaction here where Sif is like, you realize that there are phones? You don't need to use a crow. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, ah, I was like, you can crow. <laughs> Uh, so he has a little interaction with her because he's telling her to keep an eye on the hammer because he, he he tells her the hammer went there. He tells her to watch the hammer. Um, watch the hammer. Exactly. And then and then we see Thor. Basically, he ends the call, his bird call with her, um, when he gets and when he notices that Beta Ray Bill has been waiting for him. In um, the story prior to this, in the six issues, um, Beta Ray Bill and Thor had a falling out. Uh, Beta Ray Bill showed up to try and stop Thor from being a herald to Galactus. Mm-hmm. And Thor just trounced because Thor had the power of Galactus as well as the power of the Allfather, oh. as well as the power of Thor. So he just trounced him. <laughs> and he didn't just trounce him, he destroyed Stormbreaker in the same way that Hela, destro- Hela destroyed. His hammer in the movie. Uh, they get, I'm pretty sure he throws at him, and he Thor grabs it and just destroys it. Mm. So um, they are kind of hashing things out. Uh, they're having a very polite and royal conversation. Uh, obviously, Beta Ray Bill was treating Thor like a king, uh, and finally, he's like, "Can we just talk?" And they kind of hash it out. And basically, Thor tells Beta Ray Bill that he wants him to be his war master, to bring him on as a second in command, and he wants him to keep an eye on Thor. If Thor, like, if he goes down the wrong path again, which he feels like what he did was the wrong path, then he wants Beta Ray Bill to stop him. Hmm. And Beta Ray Bill is like, "All right, I can do this," but we already found out that last time I tried to stop you, you kicked my butt. <laughs> 
so I need access to I need access to some pretty good weapons. So they go down to the uh, they go down to the uh, the, the weapon room where they kind of showcase all these like little things from Thor's history, like his old armor and his old weapons and all these old stuff. And Beta Ray Bill just takes what he needs. Hmm. Uh, then we go back to Broxton uh, and uh, um, and we see that there's a crowd surrounding the crater where Thor's hammer landed. The old guy's like talking to the press going, yeah, I found it, you know, and I was told to make sure nobody got close and nobody can pick it up anyway, so don't worry about it. And then Iron Man shows up. And this is the first time I realized that Iron Man's alive again because Iron Man had been dead. And I don't know what's going on in his book, oh, but apparently right. he's back. Yeah. So, it's Captain Douchebag in a can. Yeah, pretty much. He seems <laughs> he seems a little bit like a like 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 a like a d bag in this. But anyway, yeah. he's like he's like uh, he sits down. He, he lands. He lands next to the old guy. He's like, I got your call. He goes, I'm here. We don't need to worry about Thor's hammer. Nobody can pick it up anyway. And then uh, and then he's like, how, how, how did you even get my phone number? And the old guy's like, oh, I'll show you. And they both walk over with a hammer. And instead of the inscription on the hammer saying, whoever can picks up this hammer will wield the power of Thor, it says, call Tony Stark. And it has his phone number on it. And Thor, Thor happens to be watching this with that uh, through the eyes of, of Sif. And he just smiles. He's up, he's up at his dinner with Beta Ray Bill and he just smiles. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, like I had already cut to the part where, where Beta Ray Bill goes and picks up his weapons and all that. So, we cut back and we, we continue back to Broxton. And he's like, okay, they're still on. They're not worrying about the, uh, the hammer. But Iron Man decides that he should do something. So, he fires a, uh, a force field projector into the air, so it puts a force field around the crater. So it's just him, hmm. uh, the reporter, a couple of the humans, and the old guys that are under the force field. Nobody else is outside of it. And he's like, all right, so I don't think we need to do very much. I think we're just going to put up this force field and, and wait for Thor to come and get the hammer. Nobody, again, he says, don't worry about it. Nobody can pick it up. And then the old guy goes, hey, the writing on it changed. And they look at it, and it says, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> and Iron Man's alright this is a problem nobody touched the hammer so he walks away and as he's walking away he looks over at the old guy who's reaching over to grab the hammer and Iron Man he goes hey 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 don't touch that and the old guy picks it up <laughs> and, and the last page is this guy like obviously the listeners can't see it but the guy is transformed into not Thor but like this really cool looking Asgard <laughs> warrior <laughs> And, uh, looks like he's Mysterio. Gonna... What's that? I said the guy looks like Ray Mysterio. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know what this like. But anyway, the old guy, the old, the old guy is now this, this like huge Asgardian dude, and he's just like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where it's going to end, but it's only a two-part story. It was a lot of fun to read. The art was great. Um, I don't know where it's going. I mean, maybe this could be another long-term Thor character. I kind of hope it is because mm. they don't have very many like really old guys, the superheroes. And uh, true. So I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna re- at least read the next part of it. And so I'm gonna rate this higher than average. Oh, uh, I'm gonna say it's a five. Wow, nice. Liked it quite a bit. Hmm. All right, I got so two more. Problems. What's that? 
so far that whole that whole series has been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I I, I read the beginning. I didn't finish it. I should have because now there's a couple of issues that are really hard to find. Um, really? I think I have the first four issues. Yeah. I think I have the first four issues, and then I, I missed five and six. So I should just start collecting it again because it's been really good. Mm. The next book on my list is from IDW. It's a Star Trek book, mm. and it is called Star Trek Hell's Mirror. It's a one-shot, and it's a whole new universe to win, and it's about time mm. from and in the Mirror Universe. Oh, so. Cool. This entire thing is a mirror, mirror universe episode. Oh, I like that it's idea. Written, it's written by J.M. DeMathis. Hmm. The artist is Matthew Doe Smith, D-O-W. The colorist is Candace Han, H-A-N. And the letterer is Neil Yukatake. And that's spelled U-Y-E-T-A-K-E. <laughs> so it starts out with Khan. Khan! Inner narrating, kind of what's been going on, how he how he, he was asleep on the Botany Bay, uh, how uh, the, you know during the eugenics wars, him and his people were made to be their leaders, uh, to make them perfect in every way, but they turned against them, and they had to go into space, and they figured they'd wait, you know, they'd go into space and wait for mankind to get ready for them to lead them, and of course during that time the Federation became the the, uh, the Empire, and they went and conquered the universe. And he was found by a group of um, rebels, people that were running from the Empire. Mm. And when they thought him out, they took him in. Well, he basically uh, charmed his way into leading their their cell. And uh, so what we have here is we find out that after the events of Mirror Mirror, when Spock kind of was like, because of uh, regular universe, Kirk kind of was changing Spock to, to turn against the, the the what was this called? Is it called the Empire? I think it is called the Empire. Um. So anyway, he, he talked him into turning away from them and, and joining the rebels. So Spock is working with Khan, and there's a a big fight. I don't want to ruin a whole lot of this, but there's a big fight between between the Kirk of that universe versus versus uh, Khan. And it turns out, obviously, Khan is, like, wrecking house. He's, like, destroying their ships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's, it's an elaborate plan for Kirk to defect and go join him. Oh, huh. Interesting. And it's another bid for Kirk to gain power. He's always trying to become emperor. So even though he's not necessarily gone good, it's another kind of a bid for him mm-hmm. to gain power. Um I'm not going to ruin too much about this book. I'm just going to say that this is written in such a way that you can see Khan is, like I said, he's not good. He's not like, oh, I'm, I'm the goody two-shoes Khan. He's <laughs> Khan. But his goals are different. His goals were to take over the Federation in the, in the regular universe. Mm-hmm. His, goals here, his, his goals here are to take out the Empire in this universe, but for the betterment of mankind. He still wants to lead them. He's still arrogant enough to think that there's no way that they would that they would be better off without him leading him. Mm. But he's also got a measure of he's got a measure of restraint that he didn't have in the other one because there's a couple times here where he gets to the point where he would have probably gone into a rage and like killed somebody like he did in the other in, in right, both yep. the series and in the movie. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he holds back. He gets to that point where he's like, "I'm better than you," but then he holds back. Mm. 
And um, it's a it's a one and done issue. It's a one shot. The whole thing's resor- uh, resolved when it's done. Um, the art's great. The it, it feels very much like a continuation of the series. Uh, as I was reading it, I, I could I could feel I could hear the the original actors' voices in my head. I was like, <laughs> so it was going along just fine for me. Um, this book really really good. If you can get your hands on it, I suggest you try and read it. Um, mm. I would give this, and I would give this a five. Nice. Sounds ding, good. Ding. Sounds really yeah. good. And the last book on my list I just read today, actually, uh-huh. is The Immortal She-Hulk issue number one. Ooh, I have that. I, have, I haven't read it yet, but I can't wait to. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to spoil too much in it, but I'm going to say that it's a one shot. Um, uh, I was wondering it's not, Everybody seems to think that it's a it's an ongoing series. If it is, it's written in such a way that it doesn't feel like it at all. You're not the first um, person to say it was a one shot. So, um, its title is "The Three Deaths of Jennifer Walters," which you don't get until the very end. Oh, wow. um, it's actually written by Al, Al Ewing, so it's in continuity with the Immortal Hulk. It's not like it's a guy writing it. Excellent. It's, it's very much written as a part of. The, the storyline that's happening in the Immortal Hulk. Ah. And uh, I've been catching up on that using my Marvel Universe app. Um, I think I'm only around issue, close to issue 20, maybe. Oh, if I'm even I that love far. That. I love that series so much. Yeah, it's, it's so good. I, I just got, I just finished the, I just finished the story arc where they went up against the Abomination. So it's kind of where I'm at. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this kind of, I, if you, are you totally up to date? In, in Mortal Hulk? I'm like two or three issues behind, I think. So you're more, you're more or less up to date. So you know the leader is, is like got his fingers in this right in yep. this plot now, and he's kind of manipulating things. Yeah. So um, this walks us through her becoming the Hulk. It retells her origin. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in, in her origin, she's shot, and it's never said that she dies, but they write into this that she died at that point. Huh. So that was her first death. Then they, they talk about um, another storyline where she died, and they, they they these are all things that happened in previous comic history. Uh-huh. So that they're, they're they never really said she died. So they're saying, okay, she died here. This is what happened. Move on. She died here. This is what happened. This is how it affected her mentally, and move on. And then they went to where she was killed in Civil War, um, which was supposed to be a big thing, right? Thing because you know after she came back from that, she was gray, mm-hmm. and she drastically changed because of that. Yes. So. So they, they, they redo that. And they, she died. Um, they, they deal more with the mental trauma of this whole thing. And they basically are saying she's, she, every time after she comes back, she goes and talks to a different hero to try and find out, you know, how they deal with the fact that they can just die and come back to life. Uh. Um, and it's obvious that she's suffering from some sort of PTSD because the, the, the more she dies and comes back, the more she becomes like savage. You know, and she's right. finding ways to deal with this, right. to deal with it, and all that stuff. Um, so this was great. This was mm. probably one of the best thing I read in this pile, and I liked a lot of stuff in this pile of stuff I read. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so this gets a six from me. Oh nice! Oh, six. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, um, I, I recently found out the Immortal Hulk. The whole thing is going to that that series is going to end at fifty, which I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's they're gonna they're gonna. They're gonna they're going to launch another Hulk book. I don't know what it's going to be, but 50 is going to be the end of that storyline. Hmm. Hmm. 
That makes me. Well, if you think about it, that's that, that makes me it's sad. been the same story since issue one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? And you can't top that. Once they finish that, it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to go fight, you know, the gloop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. A, a lot of, not a lot of books these days make it to 50 issues anymore. So that's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's also not, not a lot of books these days are allowed to have a, have an ending. Yeah. You know, even though they're right. not, they're not, it's not like they're going to end the Hulk permanently, mm. but the guy's like, this is my story arc, bam, mm-hmm. and we're done. Right. Nice. So those are my books. Excellent. All right. All right, Paul, go ahead and give us your... Oh, that's right. You don't have any this week. <laughs> he did that to me last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring some books. See, I did it to you last time, darling. And this, and this week, you brought four books So this month, so... Wow. <laughs> All right. So I, however, only have three books. And uh, so my first book is Black Widow number one. Didn't that come out last year? Uh, <laughs> that's how far back it is. Yeah. No, but it was supposed to come out a few months ago. But of course, you know, everything's been delayed. So, mm-hmm. so. This is a new, a new um, Black Widow book with a new creative team, and it is written by Kelly Thompson with art mm-hmm. by Elena Casagrande, I think, <laughs> and Jordi Belair does the uh, the covers. I'm sorry, the colors. Um, and Jordi Belair is wow. Jordy Belair is actually really good on is one of the one of the colorists who's really made a name for, for themselves in in these days because you don't hear that much about colorists but Jordy Belair is pretty right. good. Um, and uh, letterer is VCs Corey Pettit. Ooh, and of course the oh I didn't get that cover though. The cover artist is the great Adam Hughes who I love so I'm going to have to look for that cover. But I got the uh, variant cover by another one of my favorites, J. Scott Campbell. Mm. So, um, and I like this interior art. It's pretty good. Uh, I'll show you a little bit of the the first page there. It's, uh, can you see it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very nice. It's pretty good. Pretty clean. So, yes, very clean. So, um... So it starts out, the book starts out with Natasha um, on a spy mission. And there's this really great um, double splash page of her fighting all these guys who are who are guarding a secret. So she fights through them and she makes it to the secret. And uh, just as she's about to escape, um, she calls for assistance to escape. And it turns out to be Hawkeye who shoots an arrow and almost hits her in the head with the arrow. And she says, Oh, Hawkeye's still mad at me for going out with Bucky and, uh, and, and not taking him along. <laughs> so I don't know if that might've been in the, in the previous series. I don't know. So no, then, it wasn't, it wasn't in black. No, it was a different book that I, I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. All right. So she goes, she zips across the building and, uh, and, 
and she she gets to the other side of the building and she's expecting to see Hawkeye, but he's not there. But Captain America is there, and uh, so she says, "Where's Where's Clint?" And uh, basically, Captain America says, "You know, he 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 kind of he kind of left." So she has a nice conversation with Captain America, which is pretty pretty cool. It's a couple of panels, um, which is nice to see that you get a little glimpse of their friendship, which is always nice to see. So then, after the mission, uh, she goes back to her apartment. And she discovers that somebody has broken into her apartment. And it's really neat because she discovers this because she has a little, um, a little spy trick that she uses where she puts a piece of tape across the bottom of the door with a little hair on it. And she knows if the tape is broken that somebody's in her apartment. So that was fun. You ever seen Misery? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. She does something like that. Misery. Yep. Exactly. So then she sneaks into her apartment and uh, somebody shines a flashlight on her and she's like, what's going on? And then they shoot her with some darts and she falls out of her apartment. Let me see if I can show you that. Onto, she falls out of her apartment. Looks like she's going to crash into the ground below. Cut to... Probably Clint. Cut to uh, San Francisco three months later. And um, there's a building being built in San Francisco, and there's a construction crew uh, that want to know how to how they're supposed to continue building the building. So suddenly Natasha appears with the schematics as if she is perhaps the uh, architect or something. And, you know, they have a little conversation about how she she uh, she's trying to get this building built and everything. And it seems like she's leading just a normal, boring life as an architect. Uh, until she's walking home and she sees a motorcycle in a dealership window. So, of course, she buys the motorcycle. But as she's doing that, she passes in front of a news crew that are doing a story. So then we cut to Hawkeye at home watching the news and seeing Natasha walk by the news camera and he does a spit take <laughs> and he calls up Bucky who doesn't want to talk to Clint at first and says, I'm busy. What do you want? And uh, so Hawkeye sends the video over to Bucky and they're both talking about how Natasha has disappeared. And suddenly three months later, she appears on a newscast in the background and they know that if she was undercover or something like that, she would not be caught on a, on camera. So they know something weird is going on. So then we go back to Natasha, who rides her newly purchased motorcycle to a home out in, in the suburbs. And she meets up with a man and uh, she jumps into his arms and gives him a kiss. And then... That leads to the final page, which gives us um, somebody watching over her as she is with her new man. And it turns out that it's none other than the villain Arcade. And then the book ends. Who is it? Arcade. Oh, you know, for some reason, I thought you were going to say the Purple Man. The Purple Man. Oh, that would have been interesting. (laughs) But 
Isn't he dead now? He might be. Something? Anyway. Um, so, yeah, the book sets up something very interesting going on with Natasha and... Uh, and Arcade is watching, and he's obviously controlling her new life. And uh, it's a it's a fun mystery. And uh, Hawkeye and Winter Soldier are on the trail to find her. So for me, it's uh it's what I like about Black Widow. It's the type of stuff I like. So I enjoyed the book immensely. It was pretty good for a first issue, and I am going to give it a five. That's sweet. You know, I think the three of those characters work really well together. Hawkeye, Bucky, and Black Widow work really well together. Yes, I do too. They had a mini that mini series where they talk about their relationship. Was I think it was t- uh, Tales from Suspense, Tales oh. of Suspense that came out like one or two years ago. That's right. That's right. And yeah. that was good. Right. Um. So yeah. So that's a that was a. I agree with you. I love the three of them together. I think they have a great dynamic together. Uh, so I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing what they do with this book. Yeah, even Falcon. Throw Falcon in that mix, and it's really good. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And there's also a, there's also um, a nice. I always love the dynamic between her and Captain America too, which you get yeah. a little bit of there, which is fun. You know, she's teamed up with so many characters. You know. Not to interrupt your reviews here, but she was like, she was a staple of Daredevil too for a while. She was in his book on a regular basis. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the seventies, it's funny for a former Russian spy and assassin, she plays well with others. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless you read, unless you read the uh, the ultimate version of her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She, yeah. she basically turned on everybody. Yeah. She was like what she should have been, a spy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> My next book is uh, from Image, and it is a book called Big Girls. Big, hmm. Big Girls. I don't know if... I never even saw that on our shelves. Did you subscribe to that? Or did you grab... No, it was I on the shelf. shelf. It was on the shelf. I read about it, and huh. I wanted to, ch- to check it out. So basically, the premise of Big Girls is, um, so the world has kind of been infected by some kind of weird virus or something. Actually, they're not really sure exactly what happened, but it has turned some men into giant monsters, like Mm -hmm. kaiju that attack quite often. Um, so they have this city that's, um walled off called the preserve and these monsters monster men um come to attack the city all the time and so they have for defense they have what they call the big girls and these are women that basically it's like um giant women like 50 foot tall women remember mm-hmm. remember that old movie the the uh the 50 foot tall yeah woman yep Attack of the yeah. Foot Woman. That's the tallest to get. Yeah. So it's kind of, I don't know for sure if they haven't actually given them a height, but they're giant. So um, basically, this book sets up the world uh, and, you know, uh, it tells you all about what happened. They're not sure what exactly caused it, which is a little, kind of a little bit of a cop out to me in a way, but whatever. And um, it's a mystery. Sure. <laughs> um, and it, it introduces some of the characters, including one of the women um, 
who's kind of a, a new recruit, one of the giant women, and her handler, um, who's who's a, an agent who's a bit of a bit of a rough kind of by the book guy, and um, they hunt down this this uh, guy who's buying an extremely large amount of groceries and uh, they go back, they follow him back to his apartment and they discover that he has a, a giant baby. Let's see if I can show you that it's up here. A giant yeah. baby that he's taking care of. So they come in and they bust into his place and they, they're like, you know, you can't harbor this giant baby. It's going to turn into a giant monster and attack us and blah, blah, blah. So the, the guy, the guy, uh, shouts out this, you know, tells his baby to run. So the baby busts through the wall of the apartment and jumps out. And it's like, you know, it's like, uh, like fifth story apartment or something like that. So when he jumps out of the apartment, the woman grabs the baby and she's like, oh, I caught him. Look. And then her handler just shoots the baby right in the head and says, uh, no. yeah, he says he's going to grow up into a monster. So we need to take care of him now. So, you know, he's that type. <laughs> so, of course, the woman's upset. And later on, the guy's trying to explain to him there's no cure or anything. It's a guarantee that that child is going to grow up and be a monster so I had to take care of it so of course now there's friction between the two and here's a here's a image of what the monsters look like okay so they're That's like these, there's like these weird looking creatures with like pustules all over their body and stuff yeah they don't even look human are they uh, yeah. do they all look the same or do they all do they all have a different appearance um, from what I can see, it looks like they're all pretty much the same. So mm. whatever infects them, it's kind of all the same thing. So the giant woman goes out to fight this monster that's attacking the city. And in the middle of it, she has a, a flashback to the child that got killed. So she pauses momentarily. And that's just long enough for one of the months for the monster to uh, knock her down and almost knock her out. And then we cut to uh, another scene of the guy, the father who lost his giant baby and a woman approaches him and says she's from a secret organization and he was supposed to be raising the kid for this secret organization. And the guy says, oh, they killed my son. And she said, don't worry, we have plenty more. And they show, like, a lab. Of giant kids. Yeah. So that wasn't his, that wasn't his real kid, right? That was, that, was, uh, that was just one that they gave him to, to raise? I believe so, if I read it correctly. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, it's an interesting idea. Um, and, of course, the first issue was a lot of setup for the idea. It was interesting, but overall, I have to go with a four for that one. Mm -hmm. um, I might stick with it for a little while, see if it, how it goes. Um, it could be interesting. We'll see what happens. Well, the, what? the handle was the handle was name was his name Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was not. <laughs> it, it was it was. Um, it was like his it's, last it's name the was. Whole 
His last name was like Snark or something like that. And I don't know, you know. So. <laughs> you know what? I like Wrong. the fact that IDW takes these risks and put these put the puts these books out. Um, I do too, except that was Image. Yeah. If you're gonna get anything that's not superhero stuff, I mean, you got to go there. Yeah, it, it's it's or Image. Image is that IDW or Image? Image. Be image. That one was Image. Right. Yeah. They kind of both image. do. So the whole. The whole premise of the thing seemed like it was Pulp Fiction meets Hugo Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Now, well, I was thinking, I was thinking that that uh, anime about the giant it's an attack, attack, of, attack of the Titans. Oh yeah, yeah. Until you said that the, the people are defended by giant women, like when it was the giant people that were oh, coming. Oh right. I was like, oh, this is an anime. <laughs> All right. With a twist. Well, it's interesting that you should bring up anime and such, because my next book is The Rise of Ultraman. Oh, I have that, but I haven't read it yet. Okay, well. Oh, God. This is from Marvel. They have the license to Ultraman currently, and uh, I was very much looking forward to this book, and it's this is a, a big double-sized issue. Um, so, I have an issue with it. <laughs> Yay. What the issue? So, here is, basically, it's a double-sized issue because it's the main story about the universe which I'll get into in a second. And then it has a backup story about the, this or the organization behind the Ultraman mm-hmm. and how it get, got started in, uh, 1954. So <clears throat> basically my issue with this issue is that the book is it's Ultraman. And for those of you who know Ultraman, uh, you know, um, basically he, the guy turns into a giant, um, he's not really a robot. Humanoid. Yeah. Giant humanoid. No, he's a, and he's he a giant humanoid alien superhero. Yes. And he fights giant monsters, kaiju, which is the fun of Ultraman. Well, this issue had none of that. In fact, it didn't even show Ultraman until the third to the last page. So the entire issue was about this this woman who's a new agent in, in the special forces that fight kaiju. There wasn't any kaiju in the issue. <laughs> and it's it's all about her, and it introduces the agency and all this blah 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 stuff, and then and then you meet you meet this guy who's her friend or maybe boyfriend, I don't know, and he he couldn't get into the agency, so he's all upset and blah blah blah, and you know they talk about why you know why he's upset and blah, 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 and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then they go out to dinner and there's more blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, 
And then finally, she gets an alert on her phone that uh, it's this emerald alert, and it, it means there's a UFO that has crashed. So they go to the crash site, and guess what? More blah, blah, blah. And then... <laughs> <laughs> they go to the crater and they see this giant glowing orb and and um and then they finally see here's the first image of the ultraman right up here that's it huh? and uh-huh. that's that's basically the most you see of ultraman in this issue and then there's some um alien blah 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 and then uh, <laughs> and then they want to <laughs> they want to kill the alien because that's the protocol. But then the guy goes up, shoots Ultraman with this fancy weapon. And then he finds out, you know, he doesn't kill Ultraman, but uh, he says, Oh, I can read Ultraman's mind. And Ultraman says he forgives me for shooting him. Oh, and then he reaches out to touch him. And then there's a big glow. And then, you know, that that's the end of the issue. I can tell you what happens. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think we all know what happens. And then you see Ultraman's going to get absorbed into the guy. Yeah, exactly. And then he becomes Ultraman. So then you go yeah. to the backup issue. And, blah, blah, blah. And it takes place in 1954. <laughs> and it's about these group of, you know, it's about these couple of different people who hunt kaiju baby kaiju and they decide you know after a bunch of blah 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 they decide to get together and form (laughs) and form an agency to fight the the kaiju and basically the issue is a whole lot of blah 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 and not enough real action which is a little disappointing (laughs) so were there there any kaiju in that issue nope (laughs) oh no I'm sorry there was one small one for like two panels, but even they, like it, it was, it was here. Here's the kaiju they had. I don't know if you can see it over here. Okay, yeah, that's it. So a so, lot of blah, yeah, I need blah, to blah ask. Not enough kaiju and Ultraman. Is this set or is this not set in the Marvel universe? Or is it no indication? There is no indication of it being set in the Marvel universe. Okay. I was going to say, was was the crater at where the hammer was? Yeah, I might as well have been. <laughs> that, orb, that, yeah. orb was, that orb was the, the, orb was the force field. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I... issue three, issue three, they're going to have him teaming up with Iron Man. I was figuring that we're not going to set it in the Marvel Universe, but after what they did with, with uh, Conan, I thought maybe they'd, they'd do it, especially maybe, since yeah. back... In the seventies, when they did the Shogun Warrior, oh yeah, Godzilla, they right. set those in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, well, uh, it's still possible, it I suppose. Not. But yeah, so because of all the blah blah blah, I can only give this issue a three. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> but it's Ultraman, so I'm going to hope it gets better. But we'll see. A little less with the blah, 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 and a little more with the fighting and the punching and the kicking, please. Blah, 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 man. <laughs> blah, 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 man. <laughs> so, <clears throat> there you go. That's it for our reviews for this month. <laughs> so, some some good choices, some eh, okay choices. So, 
that means um, next up, we don't have any real news to talk about. Um, so we'll get into our big uh, off-the-shelf review. But before we do that, I did see one thing pop up that uh, I just want to um, <clears throat> go over real quick. This will just be a real quick thing. It's an article I just saw. It says, six DC characters Tom Hiddleston would be perfect for. So I'll just read them off to you, and you can give me your thoughts on it. First character for Tom Hiddleston, Sandman. What do you think? Sandman? No. No. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next. What, Golden Age Sandman or the Neil Gaiman Sandman? The Neil Gaiman Sandman. Terrible idea. <laughs> Not a fan. Okay. <laughs> All right. How about... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Exactly. All right. How about uh, Christopher Chance, the human target? I'm not real familiar with him. He could be okay with that, but no. Okay. Um, How about... How about the Manhunter? How about Manhunter? No. I don't think it's on this list, but... All right. How about Andrew Bennett uh, from iVampire? Yeah. I could see that, I I think. I could see that. I could see that. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. How about you? You'll love this one. How about Dead Man? Uh, no, absolutely no. not. I don't think so. No. No way. No. Not even a little bit. No. If Dario says no, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. How about Jason Blood? Also known as Etrigan the Demon. The Demon? No. 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 But the Jason Blood part. Doesn't matter. All right. Uh, here's blah, another, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> here's another weird one. The Joker. No. Well. I don't know. You know, I, he's got the smile for it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's... he can, he, he's, he's thin, like Joker should be. He's got the smile for it. I just yeah. don't know if he could be crazy. Yeah, like, if you're going to go on the smile alone, you might as well get William Defoe to do it. Yeah, uh, he's really old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but he'd be. Well, you got, you got three of them. I'm the choose from so that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, there you have it. That's six character DC characters that they think Tom Hiddleston would be good for. Uh, he could do the he could do the chance guy. I mean, but that's just all that is is just a version of the double or seven character. So right. So yeah, I mean, he could do it. I just don't think that I don't think that's enough of a stretch for him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, well, that was a nice little palate cleanser. Now it's time to get to our off-the-shelf segment. And I'm very excited about this one because it was my choice. <laughs> and uh, I chose the 1987 version of the Justice League, also known now as the Justice League International. And, of course, that was put out by DC Comics. And it was written by Keith Giffen and J.M. Dematius. Yeah, he's the guy that just wrote that that Star Trek book I just talked about. Exactly. I was about to say that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, And the art is... Where's the artist? Where's the artist? Toby McGuire? Is it Toby? No, it's Kevin McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actor Toby McGuire. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> that was close. Sure. Was brother. Sure. Um, and <laughs> so, as I said, this, this book started in 1987 and it has always been my personal favorite version of the Justice League because it was the uh, um well uh, the kind of not I don't know if you'd say fully comedic version but um it was definitely a, a kind of a tongue-in-cheek book and um, it was a lot of fun and I always enjoyed it so it was nice to go back and read it. And uh, what was that, Paul? Or to just call it what it was. It was the Blue Beetle Booster Gold Show. Well, that was later on. I mean, they lean they lean into the into the comedic part with those two guys. Uh, probably late, like like later in the series. Yeah. Like what this part that we read, it was it was it was light on the humor. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they definitely lean more into it later. Yeah, it, it, yeah, because this was the beginning of it. Um, and what, what's interesting is it it was um, it came out in a period of time um, after uh, a big DC event, after Crisis on Infinite Earths, and, and yeah. what happened right before that was in Justice League. They had um, they were it was Justice League Detroit oh, with uh, Commander yeah. Gypsy and. Sin and vibe, uh, which nobody likes. No, no, and they killed them all off. <laughs> yeah. Now that was comedic having Aquaman as the leader. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, well, Aquaman like and, and Green and uh, Green uh, Martian Manhunter. Good goodness. So, um, they they ended up giving Keith Giffen the book, Keith Giffen, and uh, because he had always he had been begging basically to write a Justice League book, so they're like. All right, here you go. Right, here you go. Justice League is is uh, ruined. So uh, why don't you take it over? <laughs> Justice League is ruined. <laughs> you can't do any worse, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, basically, they gave him they gave him the Justice League, but only he could only use certain characters, and he couldn't use like yeah. you know like like uh, nowadays Justice League is considered like the big the big seven, the big guys. And uh, at this period in time, they were not allowed to use any of them except for Batman, oddly enough. He had, I think he had to fight these Batman, too. Uh, yes. Yes, he did. Right. He wanted, he wanted, because originally they said no to all three, but he said, you know, I need at least one. Right. To be in this book. And uh, personally, I think Batman is the best choice, but you know that's me. Yeah, Batman was the right choice, and also I I, I really agree with it. If Batman wasn't in this book, I feel like there's not a lot of people that would have touched it. Oh yeah, definitely. Although these are some Maybe of my favorite, these are some of my favorite characters. Personally, again, this is oh, when I agree. This is when I I I. I read this entire series. I read it when it became international. I read, you know, Justice League Europe. I even read Justice League Antarctica. I loved all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, one of the things I like, so the the book starts out with um, 
Well, so the the initial lineup here is, of course, as we said, Batman, uh, and we get Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, even though both Booster Gold comes in a, a couple issues in, but uh, we get Captain Marvel, also known as Shazam, to some people. Uh, Martian Manhunter, who's <laughs> always been one of my favorites. Uh, Black Canary, Mister Miracle, Doctor Fate who's not like a full-time member, but Dr. Light, uh, the female version. She's also not a member. Yes, not a permanent member, but... And, of course, Oberon, who, um... How... How would you describe Oberon? He's a sidekick to Mr. Miracle. Yeah, okay. That's good. That's all he is. He's a sidekick to Mr. Miracle. He was just, He was Mr. Miracle's manager. Yes, and uh, so he would go. He would go and stop all his, all his, uh, you know, carny, carny things. And the fact that he was a little person <laughs> yeah. was part of the whole carny thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at this cover. I didn't realize that Doctor Light is. They only drew her head. They didn't even bother to draw the rest of her body. I know, right? Her <laughs> well, I guess they were figuring, you know, because she has like that white part on her collar there, so you know, it'll blend yeah. in. But yeah, <laughs> it's just her head. Even Oberon, they at least drew a little bit of his neck. <laughs> but anyway, so the the book starts out with uh, <clears throat> Guy Gardner, who, of course, being the uh, wonderful person that he is, expects that he's going to be the leader of the Justice League. And uh, so the the first the first meeting we initially have is between. Guy Gardner and Black Canary. And of course, Guy Gardner being the uh, male chauvinist pig that he is, you can imagine how well that goes. So he wasn't always like that. He was different. He was different when they first made him Green Lantern. Right. And I don't know. I don't know when they made this change, but this is I, I had never known about this character until. So he until they made him a Green Lantern again, like for the second time, mm-hmm. and during Crisis on Earth. So like he got a ring during Crisis on Earth, and then. All of a sudden, he was like kind of everywhere. He was in this book, so yeah. I think I don't think I knew much about him before that either. Actually, I know I didn't. He, he was became, only Green Lantern. He became a Green Lantern back in the seventies. Yeah, he was in Green Lantern in the seventies, and he's the one that the ring picked before Hal Jordan. <clears throat> but for some All reason, right. he, he didn't become the Green Lantern. So you know, the first the big, the first initial pages of the book is the whole team coming in and getting together and uh, Guy Gardner trying to lead them and them all like kind of brushing them off because and also not you know most I don't think any of them can really stand him no none of them can stand him <laughs> he is like he's the worst of the worst which makes for some fun interesting things including one of the most famous images in comics that comes up a little later um, when Batman finally shows up with Dr. Fate and, uh, Batman comes in and basically says, no, 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 I'm the leader. You are not. And that's it. Which of course, you know, Guy Gardner is not happy with. So after, uh, a lot of our, I mean, Batman's kind of a jerk in this book too, really. If you, if you really like, I yeah, was he's no a big jerk in this book. Yeah. He's, he's just like, 
you know, I'm Batman, you people are really lame, and I'm Batman, and you people will do what I say, because I'm Batman. Oh, and by the way, did I mention I'm Batman? (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, though, the the fact that this Justice League was was fighting so much in the very first issue, like, the, the, the original Justice League, they would argue, but these guys are just not a a team mm-hmm. in issue one. They're yeah. not a team until, of course, they have to do a mission. Yes, and their first mission is uh, these group of terrorists who have taken over the United Nations, and uh, they basically, you know, have to try and stop the terrorists from blowing everybody up. It's also and, a convenient way to introduce Doctor Light. Exactly. That is where we also get Doctor Light from. So the whole first issue is basically them, you know, trying to figure out their plan and what they're going to do. And uh, Batman's trying to tell, you know, give everybody orders. And Guy Gardner's like, no, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to do what I say. And that's kind of how issue one ends, which is it's funny because yeah, it's a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of infighting and a lot. It's it's you know, honestly, it's kind of it's 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 kind of a weak first issue, I think. Coming back and looking at it in hindsight. If it wasn't wasn't for Mr. Miracle and Batman, I would have left it on the shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for a first issue, it's kind of by itself. Um, I'm really liking the art, though. I'm I'm going through it. I'm like, I like the page setup. I like how they use the use of the TV frames during some issue, during some pages, especially yes. when they're doing the news coverage of the yeah, terrorists. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's, there's some scenes here where Kevin McGuire, his art is right now, his art's his own style. And if you look at it, you uh, know sorry. what it is. I'm sorry. Who? But who is isn't it? Kevin McGuire? Oh, oh Toby. T- Toby McGuire. <laughs> 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 no, okay, okay, no. Yes, wow. Kevin McGuire. So, continue. <laughs> but anyway, I'm looking, at, I'm, I'm looking at his art, and it's like I don't, I don't know if you have, if you have the book in front of you, but if you I do. Yep. Look at page nine. There's a there's a, there's a panel of uh, there's a panel of Guy Gardner here that I mean, literally, it looks like it's right out of uh, it's a it's like right out of John Severance's like sketchbook. It looks just like his art. Oh yeah. And, and but obviously he his art style kind of solidifies. But this first issue, it, it, his really detailed work is super nice, and his like less detailed work, I feel like is kind of where his style is now. Yeah, uh, I really like the face, the the I like facial expressions he does in this book. Yeah, he does he does a really good job with that, and his fight scenes are good. And there's a bat, there's a scene right here. Like I'm gonna. Uh, it's on page number. It doesn't give me a page number, but it's during the fight at the UN, and there's a really nice like this Batman image oh, yeah. is like so classic. This is right out of like Batman. Yep. And then this, and then this other scene on the same page where Batman's like doing his normal strike yep. fear in the hearts of man. Yes, kind of a deal. And <clears throat> even this was the. The period where where they changed Black Canary's costume. Yeah, her, her they changed her costume to like a, to like a, a workout uniform. She's like just going to the gym. Yeah, she's like Olivia Newton. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. 
Olivia Newton-John. Did you say Paul? Oh, yeah. 100%. It's a terrible costume. It's so bad. Oh, I know. I mean, granted, I get that maybe, you know, her fighting in fishnets is not the best idea, but this costume was not not good. Weren't the shoulder pads supposed to be in the costume and not above them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Guy Gardner's costume was just as bad. Yes. His costume was a a wreck. wreck. Yeah, it really is. It's like... I don't know. It's like he's wearing a unitard under like a vest or something. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it's really weird. But in the same vein, you know, they created. He was like the first. <laughs> he was like the first. He was like the, the concept of uh, the, the first the first rendition of the Scarlet Spider. Which is oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, which I just saw. look at it. I just saw Scarlet Spider in in some other book, and he's back to that costume, and I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> yeah, it's <is> bad. <laughs> but I mean, they designed Booster Gold, Booster Gold's costume around the same time, and that's not terrible. Yeah, yeah. And Blue Beetle was a redesign, I think. Was Blue Beetle's costume a redesign, or is that just the one that took directly from Charlton? I think there was a little bit of a redesign to it. I'm not sure. No, they took it straight from Charlton. Did they? Yeah, I think they did. I think yeah. I think like the I think the goggles they added. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It said eye holes. They added like yellow goggles, mm-hmm. which I kind of like. I like the way they do that. So moving on to issue number. So I guess two. Toby McGuire. Huh? <laughs> yes, I guess Toby McGuire can draw. <laughs> yeah. I know, totally quite great <laughs> Who knew Who he can act and draw? <laughs> At least he has that to fall back on. Uh, uh, yeah, Blue Beetle had the goggles back in Charlton too. Oh yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Oh, yeah. So was a nightshade too. And the question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, though, if we're talking about costumes, realistically, the Martian Manhunter has a weird costume, but I still love him. He's wearing, yeah. like, like a harness or something. Like, he's, you know, <laughs> like, he's, a, you know, he, he has a night job as, like, a stripper or something. Anywho, so, moving on to issue number two, uh, they... Defeat the terrorists taking over the, uh, United Nations. And, um, this is where we start finding out, uh, that there's someone behind this formation of the Justice League. And, um, basically it was, uh, the gentleman known as Maxwell Lord, who coincidentally enough, is going to be the villain in the next Wonder Woman movie, or one of the, like, the big villain, which is a nice little tie-in. So, <clears throat> oops, lost my internet connection. Here he comes. All right, I'm back. Sorry, I hit, there he is. I hit something. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> anyway, so. Admit it. Admit it. Toby McGuire called. <laughs> I take his call, you know, it's important. He wanted, he wanted, to, he wanted to thank Dario for, for the recognition. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> maybe Dario, maybe Dario can get him down to the comic book store for a signing. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, issue number two um, has the media it starts with the media coverage of the uh, UN job, and um, this is where we debacle. Re- <laughs> yeah. Well, they did save the day. Not not uh, not pretty, but they did. And this is where we start seeing Maxwell Lord and and his uh, his plans behind the scenes. And we get more arguing. There's a lot of arguing in these issues, which is part of the charm of the book, especially in the beginning. And then we get to uh, we get a, a little interlude, which didn't. I had completely forgotten about this guy, and it didn't make sense at first, but it makes sense eventually. And that's the, what is he, the Gray Man? Is that his name? Yeah, the Gray Man. Because yeah. <clears throat> he's the main villain of the first major story arc. Right. And, you know, he has a discussion with Dr. Fate. Is he is he normally a big Dr. Fate villain, or I'm not really that familiar with him? No, that's his first appearance that I know of. Oh, okay. They created him just for the story. Unless I'm wrong, um, but I feel like I'm right. Oh, do you? Just like you I feel, feel like, like I'm right like- about Tobey Maguire? Hey, listen. <laughs> yeah. He's a man of his house. He's a, he's a renaissance man. He's Spider-Man. <laughs> he draws everything. Very talented. He was, um, in the, he was the Hobbit, too, wasn't he? No. That was... Um, <laughs> I know. I know who it was. <laughs> Well, help me out because I'm having an old man brain fart. Um, yeah, because it was the guy who's not Tobey Maguire. You know who yeah. that is. <laughs> oh, that's going to drive me nuts now. I know you who like he your is. Wood. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Elijah Wood. Who is. A.K.A. Tobey Maguire. <laughs> who is. Um, <laughs> Elijah Wood is just a letterer, not a, not a full artist, so. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and in addition to the Gray Man, we also get introduced to this trio of characters who are from another dimension, and they. <coughs> They come to this world. Bringing the Wonder Twins? <laughs> exactly. No, not the Wonder Twins. They're, um, I don't know if they have, if the group, they have a group name, but they're basically three um, interdimensional characters with superpowers whose world was destroyed by nuclear war. And so they are going around trying to destroy all the nuclear weapons in the world, which you would think would be a good thing. But the way they're doing it is not good. So the Justice League must intervene. It's uh, Shades of Superman 4, I tell you. It is, yes. Exactly. Quest for peace. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Except. Yeah, yeah, but they they couldn't call that that because they couldn't. And use Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when did Superman? The other thing, too, is this happens after. Superman 4 was 1987, maybe. Oh, because this came out in 87 as well. Interesting. Well, this is the deal. This is where it starts to be. This is where the book feels dated to me. Yeah. Uh, is that 
this is where this is where it starts leading heavy into the uh, uh, nuclear nuclear war fears and right the Cold War fears at the time. Yep. I mean, they basically have that Bolivia or Bellagio, whatever it is that 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 uh, country that they may got that's basically like a Russian country that's right. got nuclear weapons. Yep. And the leader, the leader of that country, uh, convinces the trio to work for him and he will help them find all the nuclear weapons. But of course it's going to be all of his enemies. Right. I'm not, I, I didn't love these two issues. I, I felt like out of what we read, these were probably the weakest ones. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Only, only because it's dated, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that, and then, of course, there's more fighting between the Justice League. So, you know, there's a theme going here, but and it, the, way we, the way we're talking about it, it sounds like it might be kind of boring, but it's it's good stuff. No, it is. It's really good, and there's there's the right amount of humor in it. Uh, there's a lot of stories set up for what's going to happen uh, coming up, and there's an ongoing mystery because we, at this point, we I don't know if we mentioned it, but Maxwell Lord has made minor appearances in issue one, and he makes minor appearances in issue two, mm-hmm. and we know that uh, he had been, actually he makes more than minor appearances in this. Uh, the Justice League knows that he is the one who uh, manufactured a signal device that he gave to Dr. Light and yes. told her that she was going to be that she was a, the newest member of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And they had no clue. They're like, who is this guy? Exactly. <laughs> and he also is the one who brings in Booster Gold later. Right. And somehow or another, the whole team is okay with it. Like, after talking to him, they're like, all right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Which makes, me, which makes me wonder if maybe that's, you know, they, you know, like, over the past, like, five, ten years, they kind of wrote him as a major villain where he's got mind control. Like, really, really strong mind control. Yeah. They never Green deal with man, right? back here. What's that? You're talking about the Gray Man? No. No, no, no. I'm talking about, I'm talking Max about Maxwell Lord. Lloyd. So, I mean, maybe that's, I bet you at some point, somebody was like, why did the Justice League ever follow this? It was like, oh, because he, was, he can control minds. We just uh, talked about it. Mm. So, oh, maybe it's that. That's because. So, I love this. I love this here, this image of uh, Blue Beetle. That's a great Blue facial Beetle. expression. As he's, <laughs> as he's in his Beetle ship and the Justice League is going to fight to stop the three nuclear people, whatever, and they find out they're about to enter Russian space, so he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> so the three the three people from the other dimension are the, the Silver Sorceress, the yeah. Wanjina, I think is his name, oh, and yeah. Blue Jay. Right. And essentially, they're just, they're just alternate versions of, of DC characters. Like, Wanjina is like a Superman kind of a guy. Silver, Surfer, Silver Sorceress is Kind of like maybe Scarlet Witch, maybe. Mm. No, I wouldn't even say that. She's just a powerful sorceress. Yeah. And then Blue Jay is uh is like the Adam and Hawkman and the same guy. Right. right. <laughs> he's got wings. That's what you know. And he's blue, so hence he's Blue Jay. Okay. <laughs> but when they enter Russia, they come across the uh, Rocket Red Brigade, which I love. You like their costumes? Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> the <clears throat> so they're basically like the the Russian Russian Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, yeah. 
<laughs> they're like a bunch of Russian Iron Men. And uh so there's some fun there's a there's a fun kerfuffle with them in the in the Justice League. Um until the the trio, the nuclear trio there <clears throat> um attack, you know, go to the nuclear power plant and the the Rocket Red Brigade is called back to go fight them. So they're like, All right, we're done with you, Justice League. We gotta go take care of some real threat. Oh ho. Oh. <laughs> And uh Where yeah. is Superman when you need him? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where is Superman? <laughs> so finally, you know, the Justice League goes and finally meets up with the three people and they have a kerfuffle. 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 Are you on issue two or are you on issue three? I am on issue three. Okay, that's where I'm at too then. Good. Okay. And a kerfuffle. I'm trying not to linger too long on everything, but, and then <clears throat> after their kerf- kerfuffle, uh, at the end of the very last panel of issue three, we finally get introduced to Booster Gold. And, uh, <laughs> I love, he's got the, uh, it was a very bad day. <laughs> I love how he's got, he's got like the, the buzz cut going on there and, <laughs> Very, very weird looking. And of course, that there is an interesting cover. Oh. <laughs> Somebody you know, I'm looking through issue three and realizing I'm realizing that I, I didn't finish I didn't finish reading this issue. I read everything, but for some reason I didn't finish reading this issue. Oh like, really? I don't remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I think I jumped right into issue four and that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you probably didn't miss a whole lot, but so, issue four, they finally start looking into Maxwell Lord, who finally introduced himself. And, uh. This is where the series, this is where this selection of books that you picked really starts picking up, I think. Yeah, I agree. So, of course, you know, as they're investigating Maxwell Lord, we cut to Maxwell Lord's office where he's talking to Booster Gold and Dr. Light, and Dr. Light is a little upset about the way she's kind of been uh, thrown into things. She's Uh, been lied to, manipulated, and added to the Justice League. Sure, that's one way to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) But Booster Gold is basically like, hey man, whatever you want, man, I'll just, you know, I just want to be a part of the team. I I love how the signal device that everyone's like saying is the best single device ever made because it's Maxwell Lord, Lord made it and gave it to Dr. Light and, and even Marshall Manager's like, Oh, this is in many ways superior to our own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Batman's like, I don't think so. But the thing's <laughs> huge. It's huge. It's I the know, biggest right? single, single device I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, like one of those offices, the office max push button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like Microelectronics like- in this giant device are amazing. <laughs> It's like looking. It's like taking one of our cell phones today and going back to like the old eighty cell phones, the original big, you yeah. know, the big chunky ones, and going like this has technology that ours doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like on that time, might will go back, go back in time to Vietnam and pull out one of their one of their freaking <laughs> the radios, backpacks, and they had with the big. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, into it, yeah. So this issue, issue number four, is is basically about um, 
Booster Gold kind of proving that he belongs on the team. And, and, uh, he ends, he does that by, by fighting the entire Royal Flush gang on his own. Which yeah, is- they were there. They were, they, they were there. Yeah, those to sneak into Justice League headquarters and take them all on, mm-hmm. and Booster runs into them and takes them all out. Which is a really great, um, fun battle scene that I liked a lot. And at one mm-hmm. point, the the Justice League gets an alarm that something's going on, so they all go out and they see Booster taking on the 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 Royal Flush Gang. So they're all like, "Oh, we got to help him!" And Batman's like, "No, nah, let's let's let him let's see what he does." <laughs> we wait. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Batman. Um, so he ends up beating most of the gang, and then um, Ace shows up, who is uh, a big, uh, giant. Well, not giant, but he's he's pretty big and buff, and he's an android. So he has a little little trouble fighting Ace. So of course, the rest of the Justice League decides to join in and help him out. And they defeat Ace, and everybody says, hey, good job, Booster Gold. We'll have you as part of our team. That'll be lovely. Or, you know, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to issue number five with the great cover. And it says, showdown. (laughs) Uh, well, there's, there's one scene in the fight with the Royal Flush Gang that I think is kind of funny though, where he goes he goes to take out Ten, mm. and Ten's like hiding behind a rock, and she's like, "You wouldn't hit a lady, would you?" And Booster's <laughs> like, "Ah, oh, well, it's kind of like this." Bop. He's like, "Where I come from is equality in the sexes, so it's it's a given that you know we can just hit anybody." <laughs> and, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, oh, thank you so much for explaining." <laughs> <laughs> So I guess he's not really keeping it that much of a secret that he's from the future. Yeah, he mentions it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this cover for issue five is a classic. Yes, <clears throat> and and with good reason. So this yes. is as Toby requires much more. So this is this is one of the most famous. Um, Issues with one of the the most famous scenes, um, and oh my! <laughs> look at this! Look at this sweet mullet on this guy. Oh yeah, yeah! I couldn't <laughs> help but notice that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we start off with going back to the gray man, and um, he's kind of roaming around town and and. and affecting people's minds and stuff. Is he, I is he like a telepath or I'm still not on the gray gray man. man? man. So the gray man is in charge of collecting dream matter from people right before they die. And he gives it to, he gives it to the Lords of chaos that they use for, I mean, Lords of order for whatever they, they want to use it for. Right. And he can't, leave the island he's on but he creates duplicates of himself that can go out and do do his work for him mm-hmm. they're kind of mindless duplicates but right. they just go and they collect, they collect the dream matter and they deliver it to lords of order and he is pissed because he's been on this island for longer than he can even imagine and he feels right. like he's been punished this whole time mm-hmm. 
which, you know, I guess if you want to be negative about it, you can see it that way, but you know, <laughs> whatever, man. Um, so we see a little bit of the gray man and then we cut to, uh, a news studio where we see a reporter, <clears throat> um, uh, going, uh, reporting on his opinion piece. It, <clears throat> it's called Jack Ryder's Hot Seat. Now, yes, that name should sound familiar to any DC fans. Um, oh, no, yeah, Jack Ryder, never heard of him. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Jack Ryder, also <laughs> known as uh, the creepy guy. The creeper. Uh, creeper. Creeper. Yes. Yes. The, the guy with the best shoulder hair in DC Comics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's the one talking to the kid. He could give, give Craven a run for his money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, in Jack Ryder starts off with kind of, you know, being like the J. Jonah Jameson to the Justice League and giving them yeah. like a hard time. Uh-huh. And kind of coming down on them. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little confrontation between the Gray Man and Dr. Fate, in which we learn about the origin of the Gray Man and his doppelgangers. And we learn how he's all upset because, because he's stuck in this little podunk town and, and they won't let him get out and, and, and he's being punished, and he doesn't know why. And and <laughs> I think you should go back to your blah 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 <laughs> blah blah. blah. <laughs> <clears throat> he just feels like he's being punished. He's on well, his own island. He doesn't have to work. He sends out clones of himself. You know how many people I've heard say that? Imagine if I could just clone myself and never do anything. I know, right? That was what he did. We'll take it from the gray man. It's not as great as it sounds. <laughs> and I think, I think, isn't, isn't the only reason he's being punished because he, he looked upon the, no, something. He used his abilities to breach the barriers between the, between the universes and he was able able to gaze upon the Lords of Order. Right. And then they are, they sent him they sent him to this island and charged him with gathering dream matter. Now, I'm jumping ahead, but to them, that was not punishment. That was a gift. Right. Although, seeing the, the, the panels of this little town, I can see why you would consider it a punishment. Yeesh! No, no, no. The town is the town is where he goes to when he escapes the island. The oh, island right. that's the right. Island. Yeah, that's right. In a different, in a different dimension. I stand corrected. Anyway, so after his, we get his origin. It cuts back to the Justice League, and uh, you know um, they're arguing again because it's what they do. And. Uh, there's a big confrontation with Guy Gardner and Batman over who is going to be the leader. And this is where we get one of the most famous scenes. And that is the one punch knockout of Guy Gardner, <laughs> which I love, which I thought happened later in the series. But no, apparently not. <laughs> one punch from Batman knocks him out. The- <laughs> I love that. 
And there's a. It's awesome. You take, you took off. He takes his ring off. He go. He hands it the blue beetle. He turns yeah. around. <laughs> Boom! The blue beetle He's on the ground. <laughs> blue beetle just. Blue beetle just takes his ring and throws it over his shoulder. Yeah, it nothing. He <laughs> He's like one punch. I love this. He's blue beetles crying. <laughs> He's- He's laughing so hard. I know, he's laughing so hard, he's going to wipe his eyes under his goggles. <laughs> and then uh, Black Canary is upset because she missed it. I know. She's like, what? <laughs> what? I missed this? And then here's another panel that kind of kills me. So Dr. Fate um, tries to contact the Justice League, and he does it by uh, going through one of their monitor screens, but all you see is his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it's a giant mouth. <laughs> it's just weird looking. <laughs> and uh, so he that was a personal. That was a personal. It was a. It was a personal portrait of Toby Maguire. <laughs> 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 uh, so then he he tells the Justice League that uh, Doctor Fate tells them that they have to come to Stone Ridge, Vermont, because. Uh, of what's going on there. So, of course, they go and uh, they discover that the town is being has been taken over. Well, first they run into the creeper who who has also been taken over his mind by the gray man. The creeper? No, he hasn't. So the, was, creeper went there, the creeper went there as Jack Ryder to go um, do his job. And when he got into town and he got attacked by the, by the gray man, his... Oh. his uh, his, his reporter, I think. I mean, his, his cameraman. I got killed or taken. Uh, when when the right. gray man takes dream matter, people, people seem to pass out and collapse on the ground. So right, yeah, he got taken by that, and Jack Ryder became creeper, and so he's just running around doing yeah because doing creeper Cap- things, Captain jumping Marvel around, laughing. Found, Captain Marvel found his uh, um, camera guy colleague. Yeah, yeah. And he takes him into town, and he becomes possessed. Right. You mean Captain Wonder? You mean Captain Whitebread? Captain Whitebread. <laughs> yes. Captain Whitebread. <laughs> exactly. Another, another result of not being able to use the word Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, I got to get going. Yeah, jump. Yeah, yeah cool. I got to jump. All right. We'll talk to you next time, Paul. All right, Paul. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Have a good night. Bye. All right. So we'll try to finish this up real quick. Um, oh, we can so basically, they go to the town and they find out that he's being, it, you know, the gray man has infiltrated. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's one point where the gray man takes over Captain Marvel. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a big epic fight between Captain Marvel and Martian Manhunter. Yeah. And that's when, that's when Bat- Batman and Martian Manhunter both at that point are like, you know, he, he is really, really strong. We need him to be taken care of properly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, if you can if you can take over Captain Marvel, that's uh that's that's pretty big. He's for somebody who at first seemed like he was gonna be really lame, that that that's uh mm-hmm. that's pretty good, I'd say. <laughs> so where am I? I lost my place here. Uh, the fight with Blue Be- with uh, Captain Marvel. Oh well, yeah. Martian, Martian Manhunter. Which is also another great cover. The Martian Manhunter uh line you know lying down on the ground after being beaten and Captain Marvel standing over him with a big rock about to crush him. Yeah. 
And then that first page after that with the creeper <laughs> and then and the, the Justice League standing around the creeper. There's some great facial expressions there. Yeah, he does a good job with creeper, I think. Yeah, definitely. In fact, the maybe missed character. He he was not a member of the team. He was just on. He was just in this issue, as far as I know. Yeah, and um, I think he's been around recently. I want to say I saw. Oh, he's been around recently, but I think in this series, I don't think he's in it much. No, no, I I think you're right. I think this is pretty much the only the only time we really see him. Mm -hmm. So, not only does the Gray Man have. Captain Marvel captured, but he also managed to capture Dr. Fate. So that's pretty impressive <laughs> for a guy who doesn't seem like much. Right. You know, getting held, taking Dr. Fate is not an easy thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, the two of them together are very, very strong. Oh, yeah. Especially magically. Yep. They could, uh, they could probably, probably both take out Superman. Yeah. Who we know has a weakness to magic. <laughs> which always amused me but hey you gotta give him some weakness right <laughs> yeah and uh, you can't just be moving plants around willy nilly you gotta give a weakness so there's some great there's some great fights going on the the whole martian manhunter captain marvel one is awesome um mm-hmm. And there's, you know, they go and they investigate the town they find the gray man and they fight him to rescue Captain Marvel and Dr. Fate. And of course, the Gray Man uses all his doppelgangers to attack them. Yeah. They're, what are they in the, uh, they're in the movie theater? Yeah. Yeah. In the movie and theater. And the doppelgangers yeah. all show up to attack. Yep. And this is where, this is where it starts like getting a little bit crazy. I think like, like I feel like they kind of, they kind of bailed out of this, of this, of like this story because Dr. Fate like is freed somewhat like, Mysteriously, he frees himself, uh, and and the Gray Man and Doctor Fate are having this big fight. And like you said, he brings in his doppelgangers to kind of fight the Justice League who show up. But then after that, Doctor Strange—I mean Doctor Strange—Doctor <laughs> Fate teleports him back to the realm of order, and then he's like, "Oh, I got it. We're good." Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they didn't quite have a way to end it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do this. Like he doesn't even fight. take the Justice League with him. I don't think. The, no. Yeah, he leaves the Justice League behind. He takes takes a great man with him to the Lords of Order, and the Lords of Order are like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna just kill you." <laughs> yeah, and they're all left behind. And they don't even do it in the same issue. They wrap that up in the first two pages, or the first two, the first three pages of the following issue. I know, right? <laughs> Which is weird, but all right, whatever. Um, so, of course, we had, we had, um. We read seven issues because it's at issue seven that it technically becomes Justice League International. And that's when mm-hmm. you get, um, like the Rocket Red joining the team and stuff. And I have to say, yeah, I, so I love all these covers. I think right, the up, covers right after, are great. right after the deal with Gray Man. Yeah. These covers are great. Right after the deal with Gray Man, the rest of the issue is, um, dealing with the UN. Oh. <laughs> dealing with, dealing with Maxwell Lord. Yep. And like talking to this, talking to other heroes about them becoming international. Yeah. So it's it's in all. Oh, no, oh, and then the the action bit of this issue is that the mysterious um, person that is helping Maxwell Lord is like calculating that the that that the, that the UN won't won't vote the way they want to vote. So it uses a death machine to attack Earth. 
Right. And and so everybody everybody can see the Justice League, that Justice League save them. Right. And then they're and then then they'll be more likely. So there's the overarching overarching mystery of who is manipulating Maxwell Lord, who is manipulating the Justice League. Right. Which you will have to continue reading to find that out. But there's one Oh yeah, that's when they go out to space and everything. Yeah, they they go out to space and they fight the satellite. Yep. But there's one there's one bit of action that you you forgot to mention, and that is right at the beginning of the book, where uh, Guy Gardner finally wakes up from being knocked out by Batman, <laughs> and he's like, "What's going on?" And he has to go find his ring, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and that's a, that's a a little bit of the comedy that will that will really start. Um coming through in later issues, as well as there's a scene here between Mr. Miracle and his wife, Big Barda, who's very upset with him for being away so much. Yeah. And we do that get scene, a cameo. That appearing. scene where Guy Garner is going to find his ring. That scene where Guy Garner is going to find his ring and he hits his head on the, on the, <laughs> on the table underneath it. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's the head trauma. He got from being punched by Batman and the head trauma of hitting his head is the reason why he becomes a nice guy for like the next five issues or whatever. <laughs> yeah. he, just, he totally changes his personality. <laughs> and this issue does feature a couple of cameos from Hal Jordan and Superman mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. President Reagan-ish. Oh, yeah. I forgot. No, that's Reagan. <laughs> I like how they make fun of the fact that Reagan forgot everything all the time. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, nice to meet you, man. Superman's like, we met a bunch of times already. Yeah. <laughs> but we're good. We're just, yeah, we've already yeah. met a bunch of times. <laughs> you know, all the, you know, we're, we're like buddies and stuff. We are? <laughs> oh, yeah, and they bring in Captain <laughs> Adam. I love Captain Adam. Yeah, Rocket Red and was it Rocket Red mm-hmm. that they bring in? Yep. Captain Adam, yeah. Yep. I like Captain Adam a lot. Yeah, me too. And he was, he was great in this series. And then, mm-hmm. so that leads us to the Justice League International, which is what the book will become. And then it will branch out to, as I said before, Justice League Europe. And there's even a single issue of Justice League Antarctica, which I loved, where they fight a bunch of penguins. Me too. <laughs> I still have that somewhere in my collection. But um, yeah, th- this was always this has always been my favorite version of the Justice League because it was always so much fun to read. I agree. I like it too. <clears throat> but I, I like I mentioned earlier, I feel like there's there's just a bunch of stuff that's dated in this. But oh, yeah. I mean, the stuff that the stuff that the stuff that holds up is great. Yeah, and exactly. the stuff I'm like, ah, and I, it was written when it was written. We can't help that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it does. I do want to go back and read the rest of it too. Yeah, I'm already I'm already flipping through the next issue. It's actually Keith Giffen draws some pages in here. Oh wow! Which I didn't realize. So for a, for a book that started out as like kind of a throwaway that they kind of gave to to Keith Keith Giffen and said, you know, here you go, uh, you get to do the Justice League like you always wanted, and you get to use these characters and Batman and you know whatever. Can't be any worse than Justice League Detroit, right? So, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, which is probably one of the worst selling books at the time. Oh, uh, 
and it, it ended up being an amazing run. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good book. Um, totally worth reading. Um, yes. So, so how do we, how do we judge these now? We just recommend it. Or don't recommend it. Recommend it? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of just said it, you, you kind of just nailed it right there when you said it's definitely worth reading. Just, just keep in mind that the time it was written in. Right. They're old jokes and old references that there's nothing can be helped by that. So, yeah. but, but it's really good. And the, the humor is there. Oh yeah. And, uh, hopefully, it, you know, it'll make, if, if you've never read it and you read that, it'll hopefully make you want to read the rest of it because it just gets even better yeah. from there. So yeah, it totally does. Especially when they start dealing with like dumb villains. Yeah. That, I mean, they're just, they're just dumb villains. Yeah. But they're just, it's just funny. Like all these, all these little, Loser villains kind of team up and they form like a loser team. <laughs> loser team. <laughs> oh, it was so good. There's this guy called Brain. I think it's Brainwave. I could be wrong, but he's a he has this giant cone shaped helmet that he uses. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Everyone makes fun. Everyone makes fun of him. <laughs> the helmet. Like, oh my god, <laughs> did you need the duck through that door? <laughs> and I remember, remember, um, what was it, Queen Bee? Was that her name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's another guy. He was he was a member of uh, Justice League the uh, entire to go. Was a uh, major disaster. <gasps> yes. Oh. <laughs> his power was his power was when he invoked his power, some sort of disaster would happen. So it'd be an earthquake <laughs> or a tornado. Or heavy rain. <laughs> <laughs> that was his power. He couldn't uh, control it. <laughs> right. Just random disasters. <laughs> Which that reminds me, did you see that they're already planning on doing, um, for the Suicide Squad movie coming out, they're already planning a spinoff series on the Peacemaker character? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's HBO really funny. Max. Uh, it just makes me makes me wonder if that means he's going to survive this survive the movie or not, or if it just or, or someone said it could be a prequel, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It could yeah, be a prequel. Yeah. Well, um, on my other show, Keepers of the Fringe, my buddy Chris and I, we went through the list of characters and who we thought was going to die, and who we thought might live. Uh-huh. So we said Peacemaker would probably die. That was our thought. So, but we thought we heard too that that. The series might be a prequel. Uh, we said King Shark would probably live. We said yeah. Bloodsport is a 50-50 shot. Could go either way. Bloodsport's probably going to... I think Bloodsport's going to die. Polka Dot Man will live. That's what we said, too. We said Polka... That's such a joke. <laughs> yep, we said he'll probably live. <laughs> uh, we said Rat Weasel Catcher. will probably live, too. We Who? Weasel will probably live. Weasel. Uh, see, we said... Oh, we were split. I said dead. Chris said lot lives. Uh, Ratcatcher 2, we said would live. Savant, we said dead. Mongal, we said dead. Blackguard, we said who's dead. Who's that guy that, um, who's that guy? Oh, I can't remember the actor's name now. The guy who, the guy who played Mal from Firefly. He's a character in this. Uh, anyway, he's going to die. Just because you know he's going to die. Yeah. Thinker, we said, was going to die. <laughs> Javelin. Oh, my God. I bet you Thinker's going to die horribly. <laughs> He's probably going to die walking down the hall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we said Javelin was going to die. 
yeah, that's that's his die. whole point for being in a, the movie. Just a, a dumbass character. I know. And then there's there's a, the character TDK, which was um, a James Gunn character, but based on I forget who, but he he can pull TDK his. Is, that's 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 Nathan Billion. That's his yes. character. Yeah, and he can pull his He'll arms die. off or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward like to seeing title. that one. Yeah, no, that trailer I saw made me 100% I'm behind that. Yeah. It's going to be the greatest year for me. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's oh, it's it's going to wipe yeah. out the memory of the first one, which is great. I think so. I think so. <laughs> that first movie, that first movie was terrible. Oh, so oh. bad. So oh, bad. <laughs> But anyway, um, I think that's all we have, unless you have anything else you wanted to bring up. I don't think so. All right. Excellent. Well, um, another great episode. Um, as we said, uh, we we recommend checking out the Justice League International. Uh, great book. Mm-hmm. And uh, some good reviews this, this month. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you, Dario, for joining me. And, no problem. Uh, thank you to Paul, even though he's no longer here, which is too bad because uh, I wanted him to hear me. I wanted him to uh, to hear my goodbye shout out. And uh, that before I do that, I will say to everybody, thank you all for listening. We always appreciate it. And until <laughs> until Toby McGuire starts drawing Nightwing. <laughs> Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Thank you for your cooperation. To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's N-E-S-O-G pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Nesog Podcast. That's N-E-S-O-G Podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at Nesog Pod. That's N-E-S-O-G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it if you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night.